0: What are the little things that you can say, but I did this, and you focus on that win? Because some, for some people, I'm gonna be honest, when you're down, when you're depressed, when you're hurting and struggling, getting out of bed and making your bed is a win.
1: Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure, the show for successful people and for those who want to become successful. The only podcast that reveals the true nature of success through conversations with world-class performers while also sharing my own lessons of success through failure from my athletic career, my business, and my personal life. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you Leah Amico. I feel extremely blessed to be connected with people like Ruben Gonzalez. He's a four-time Olympian in the luge. Uh, Ruben and I have become friends over the years, and he connected me with Leah. Leah is a three-time Olympic gold medalist. She's a two-time world champion and a three-time NCAA champion softball player. She actually still holds the record for the highest batting average in the women's college world series. She is a world-class performer in every sense of the word. Leah walks us through her journey to the top of the world, to the top of the, her sport, to the pinnacle of softball. And she walks us through an epic, epic collapse and how she and her team recovered from it. It's a phenomenal story, the likes of which you've never heard before. It's really, really incredible. And she just talks about the ups and downs, the successes, the failures through her journey, and how she reacts to those, as well as how she lives those out today. Now, you're gonna get a lot from this episode, not only learning about sports, and she talks about her coach, but also how you can use this in your life. If you like this kind of thing, if you love these episodes, be sure to give this a share. Also your comments, your likes, your retweets, and your shares on social media go a long way. So thank you for those. Without further ado, let's get into my interview with Leah Amico. Tell us about your background, kind of how you got into softball and the short version of kind of how you got from there to, to where you're at now.
0: Okay, so I grew up in Southern California, first born, and I was very active, even as a three-year-old, riding a tricycle down hills, like just loved adventure. Uh, My dad loved baseball, and so he had this tomboy daughter, so they got me into softball and soccer at around six, seven years old. I kind of just took to it. I actually started pitching lessons when I was eight. Now, this is at a time where nobody did lessons. I mean, we would drive 45 minutes away, which now is like nothing. But back in the day, it was a massive deal. The support, the excitement my parents had from just from the get-go that led to me making all-stars that led to me getting into travel ball. When I was 13 years old, I was recruited by a team because they saw the talent that I had and winning nationals at Chattanooga, Tennessee, when I was 14, that kind of opened my mind to, oh, I want to go for a college scholarship. And then I worked towards that, played high school ball, got the college scholarship to play at the University of Arizona. And um, there, I thought softball was a means to an end. I loved softball. I love soccer as well, but softball opened more doors. And I thought, okay, it's to get my education paid for. Played at the University of Arizona. Won the national championship my freshman year. I got the winning hit, the only hit in the championship game against UCLA, the Wildcats. We won. We were just definitely the underdogs. And then not long after that, they said softball is going to be in the Olympics for the first time ever in 1996. And I was this freshman and had this belief of I can be on that team. That's my goal. That's what I want. And so three years later, I was one of 15 to play on the first ever Olympic team. And then continued two more Olympics and have three gold medals now
1: incredible career and when you paint with broad brushes like that, we go, "Wow, this was just like a storybook for Leah. It was so easy for her, and you know and things all just fell into place for her but But there were challenges along the way. I think even you know coming out of high school, you were a pitcher and recruited as a pitcher, but you were you had to change positions right away in college right and how hard is that for a softball player, and, and how did you deal with that change?
0: Yeah, so I was recruited to Arizona as a pitcher and first baseman. I'm a lefty. And I pitched my my freshman year mainly because we only had two pitchers. I was the backup pitcher. I didn't pitch at the Women's College World Series. We relied on our superstar ace, and I just wasn't at that level at that time. And so my sophomore year, coach said, you know what? I'm going to move you to outfield. We need you every day starting the outfield. I had never played outfield before. And so I immediately just bought in. It was hard. It was new. My arm felt like it was going to fall off. I had a strong arm, but I would try to throw like an infielder. And I, I'd i feel like I can't even throw by the end of the day. And so I had to learn these new skill sets. I had to learn how to read balls after the bat. I was used to short and quick reactions. And now, you know, it's it's timing it and learning. I had to learn how to dive. I mean, that probably was... The most painful, literally physically and you know, like figuratively, because I would crash and burn so many times, my neck would kill. But I was like, I am going to get this. I'll never forget the day it finally clicked, the timing was right. I caught this ball, was able to dive, just slide and glide through the, the grass. And I was like, finally. And then, you know, two years after that moment, here I am on the Olympic team. That's what actually opened the door. But let me tell you really quick. Jim, going back my freshman year in the fall and for pitching, facing our own team and inter-squad scrimmages, I had a moment after just getting beat up by my own teammates when they're, they're hitting and I'm just, and I went back to my dorm room and I called my mom and I was like, I don't know if I have what it takes to play at this level. And I think back to how crucial that moment was. It could have changed my destiny, my future completely. If I had walked away at that moment because it got hard, if I had turned to the wrong person. And they said, you know what? You're right. It's just not worth it. Why don't you just come home or why don't you just change schools where it's going to be a little easier on you? But luckily, my mom encouraged me and I realized, OK, I can learn through this failure. I can either get you know, bitter or I can give up one, or get better. Sorry, get bitter, get better. And I can learn. And so um, I'm so glad I stuck with it. Although I eventually changed positions, I think that moment to keep going was really crucial in my career.
1: You're learning a new position and learning how to dive and crash and burn reminds me of my conversations with our mutual friend, Ruben Gonzalez, who introduced us just for listeners. uh, Ruben actually introduced Leah and I. And for the listeners, by the way, Ruben, his most recent interview on the podcast is just a few episodes ago. So go back and check that out. So Ruben, uh, very, very like-minded experiences. So, But Leah, you are a three-time Olympic gold medalist. You're a two-time world champion, I think, right? Yes and three-time NCAA champion, and you are telling me that you faced doubt, that you thought you didn't have what it takes. I mean, we don't think about people like you at your level who are world class or among the best in the world at what you do and what you did. We don't think of people like you having doubt and second-guessing yourself, but you're saying that's a real experience for you.
0: Oh, it happened more than I'd, I'd like to admit. <laughs> there was a lot of doubt. Of course, a lot of that had to do with results, right? Depending on how my results ended up, I would have those moments when I was struggling on something, trying to figure something out physically in my game, and it wasn't clicking. I would have those you know, those mental now blocks, those things that would come in and start to be a mental block. I had doubts, but I there's there's a couple keys, I think, is what do you do with it? because there are some people who literally that consumes them. I would have that doubt come into my mind, and then I would immediately get to work to say, I'm going to figure out what I need to do so this doubt goes away and I'm back in my confident mindset.
1: So is it becoming aware of the doubt? Is it having strategies and tactics to deal with the doubt? Because a lot of folks, I I think, just face that doubt. They have those doubts and they don't even address it. It's just sort of hardwired into them or it's at at this unconscious level where they just change their actions and it affects who they are and how they operate. So do you have to first become aware of it and develop strategies for it or maybe even have coaches and like your mom in this case who help you through it?
0: You absolutely have to be aware of it. I think when people think it's just who they are, and they don't even recognize it anymore. I've talked to people like that. I've talked to people just in everyday life. And I hear how they talk to me and they're talking about themselves. And I literally will say, do you even understand how you're talking about yourself and how you talk to yourself? Like you just beat yourself up. Where did that come from? And immediately this person is like, it's almost like caught off guard. Like, Oh, Oh, well, you know, because my dad and you know, somebody in my life every day, this is what they say. And I, I just believe it. And it's like, no. And I'll tell them you need to walk in victory. So number one, you do have to be aware of it. And then two, you have to think when that happens, what am I going to do with it? It's, it's just refusing to sit and camp out in that space and in that mindset, but instead saying, Hey, I'm in this place mentally. What can I do about it? How can I get over this?
1: (laughs) Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to com slash action. That's com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now, back to the show. And you guys, well, you were on the softball team, Team USA, the USA softball team, when you know you were, as were very successful, 112-game winning streak, and it's just a storybook ending, right? Everything, you know, you live happily ever after. Tell us about that that hundred and twelve game win streak.
0: Yeah, so it was the two thousand Olympic team. We'd already won a gold medal. We were heading into the Sydney Games in in Australia, and we had a hundred and ten wins heading into the games so we win our first two games so now it's 112 this is all the story on the today show they're interviewing us that was the big talk we're defending gold champions like it's just it's just such a big deal like we have not been beat can they even be beat and so we end up losing our first game against Japan and that was one of the best teams in the world and so we lost on an air in extra innings and it was almost like this whoa like kind of that what just happened? okay, we lost a game. Okay. Regroup and come back the next day. So I would say the first day it was almost like this, like you went, everyone almost went inward of like, whoa, like that shock. And then the second day we come back and we play China and we end up again, extra innings. I think it was 14 innings that game. And we end up losing again on another air. So our pitchers had done a great job. We just could not hit. And so we end up losing again. And this is where I'll say in a quick amount of time, short amount of time, I saw a lot of division happening and a lot of blaming and a lot of separation taking place, almost like clicks within our team. And that is so not healthy. So we come back again to the third day, we play Australia, the other, those are the top three teams in the world besides us, three games in a row. And we finally in, I think the top of the 13th inning, we push a run across, all we have to do is get three outs. We end up losing on a home run. They go ahead and we lost the third game in a row. And so we, I feel like in that moment, that was, that was obviously our make it or break it moment. We had two more games. And if we didn't win those games, we weren't even competing for a medal. We came in fourth place heading into the medal round. We came back to win it all. But that was when unity and communication was brought back to the table gonna our sports psychologists. They know the mental side. They know the doubt the you know, and how big of a deal, the division that happens, the discouragement that takes place and how that literally can take you down. Even if you're the best in the world and you have 112 wins in a row, everything shifted. We just set a record for losses ever for Team USA in that Olympics. But we came back.
1: And you came back and won the gold that year?
0: So we came back. So we lost those three games. We had a team meeting with the girls, the athletes only, like no coaches. And we went around that room and we immediately started saying what we brought to the table. What is your strength? Focus on that. We've got to stop looking at what we're not doing well. And then the other thing was we went around and we said what our teammates brought to the table and we encouraged and we pointed out strengths again and we changed our mindset. And focused on what do we have to do? And it's going to take these strengths and it's going to take each other and it's going to take having each other's backs. And so immediately we brought back that unity. We brought back our focus and we won to the next two games. We started celebrating the little things. That's another thing for mindset when you're starting to doubt. What are the little things that you can say, but I did this and you focus on that win because some, for some people, I'm gonna be honest. When you're down, when you're depressed, when you're hurting and struggling, getting out of bed and making your bed is a win. But when you can say that is a win, oh well, everybody makes their bed, is you know, instead of taking it that way, that that's what we need to do. So for us, it was like, okay, it might have been ugly, it might not have been our best, you know, but we're slowly making progress, slowly making progress, and then we get in the medal round and we got to play each of those teams that beat us. We knocked out China. Then we play, played against Australia on their turf. We win a close game against them. They get bronze. Then we come up against an undefeated Japan team who by far was the best in numbers that Olympics. I mean, they were crushing the ball. They're pitching great. And we end up winning against them in extra innings to bring home the gold medal.
1: That is nuts to go from. 112 wins in a row to three losses in a row. And three losses, you got to be thinking, at least from the outside looking in, the media and the fans are thinking, well, this team just doesn't have it this year. Maybe somebody's injured or there's something wrong with the team, whatever it might be. But you guys you believed and you actually did certain things to get you through this mentally. It's not like you guys like, okay, you know, back to batting practice, which I'm sure you did. And you know, I'm sure that's just, that's just part of it. That's like table stakes, right? Every team was doing that, but you guys really dug into the teamwork piece, the leadership piece, the mindset piece, and you came back and won the Olympic gold medal that year. That is bonkers to me.
0: Yeah. It was kind of surreal, but I saw how even the best in the world could almost get put back on your heels when you're going through adversity and when you are dealing with failure. And I remember trying to, and wanting to encourage my teammates who normally I saw so much belief and and just wanting to say like remember our ident- identity is not what we're doing out there it's in who we are and we have the skill set. And so when we get back to that mindset as opposed to feeling so much failure and again when that becomes the focus and almost you start adding pressure, like on your shoulders, it becomes like a gorilla on your back. And it's like, wait, wait, no, we're not trying to live up to all these other things. Because we started being interviewed, Jim, by the whole, um, by all the media, immediately they turned quickly because there's a storyline, right? And they're just like, do you even think you can win now? And I remember feeling like, wait, whose side are you on? You're from, you're from America. You're an American journalist. Of course we can win. You know, It was like, well, we're going to prove it to you too. And it kind of flipped for us, that that mindset, like you said, and that focus.
1: Oh, that is such an incredible story. You said you worked with a sports psychologist. You guys had uh, a mindset coach?
0: We did. And I'll tell you, I, when I was at University of Arizona, we won three national championships. We were one of the few collegiate softball teams in the entire country who had a sports psychologist. Jeff Jansen was his name. And I'm going to tell you right now.
1: Jeff's been on the podcast.
0: Oh, Um, Yes. No, it was, it was huge to have that. You know, I'll tell you about coach Candrea, who I played for at Arizona was very big on giving access to all these people in their different areas and fields that were um, authority figures and the experts. And he would like be like, okay, work with my team. I want everything available. And so the mindset, the unity, the team building that we did. So on team USA, same thing. And the more freedom our head coach gave to these sports psychologists, I really believe the more it impacted us as athletes and we were able to draw from them what we needed.
1: For the listener, if you want to go back and listen to the episode with Jeff Jansen, that's episode 137. So it's pretty far back in the archives. But Jeff, I, I read his books when I was coaching. I was the head wrestling coach at Slippery Rock University and the assistant at University of Virginia. And I was reading Jeff's books and he's still out there doing amazing work today. So. Or the listeners, certainly, if you 're coaching young athletes i would I would highly recommend Jeff listening to that episode, but also reading jeff 's books also Leah, myself, I had a sports psychologist, finally learned about what a sports psychologist was and had an opportunity to work with one my senior year in college and help me get over the mental box blocks. I was, you know, driving with the parking brake on essentially. And, you know, it's just such a valuable experience. And coincidentally, and luckily for for me, uh, he's a business partner now. So we do leadership development and performance, uh, team performance work uh, with companies and organizations together. So he's a, he's been a mentor for me. And now we get to work together in a, in a new capacity, but absolute game changer working with somebody like that, right?
0: Really, it is. And, you know, it it gives you tools and it gives you, you know, ways to recognize, like you and I talked about recognize kind of what you think and how you think with Jeff, we would talk about the red light, yellow light, or green light. You know, if you, you got to know, like if you're in yellow, okay. If you don't, if you don't turn this around, you're going to go to red and that's going to be not good. And you're not going to be able to compete. You're going to be completely locked up. And, um, and I actually did a video with Jeff Jansen because at the time, I was a, I was coming through in really clutch moments at the women's college world series. I set the record my sophomore year for batting average. It still holds to this day. The next two seasons, I, you know, I led the, the women's college world series in batting average batting over 500 both times. And so Jeff, you know, I joined with him to just talk about, okay, wait, what is going on in your mind in those moments, those biggest moments, if that's when you're able to come through and And then again, just the ability to, to bring more unity. Cause when you're a team sport, it might be a little different than you. Like, obviously there's those individual moments, but then there is so much that goes into trusting your teammates, relying on them and truly coming together for a common goal. Cause there's plenty of teams out there that are very, very talented that don't win championships.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So how do you think your coaches that you worked with over the years influenced that? Because you see a lot of great players on great teams, but they don't they – I should say a lot of great players, but they don't necessarily make great teams or great teammates. Did you have coaches who were instrumental in getting you to work together as a team? Because like you said, I, I'm a, I was a wrestler, and while it's a team sport, especially when you get into the postseason, the team stuff, for the most part, goes out the window, and it's just you. And you can be the only guy on your team at the national championships, for example, and So it's definitely a a different mindset, a different approach. What what do you think were some of the characteristics and tactics and sort of talking points of some of your coaches who were able to bring you together as a team and trust each other and really work as as great teammates?
0: Well, I think one of the things is just strong leadership that kind of sets the tone and really puts high expectations. And so we're not sitting here fighting amongst ourselves. We're thinking, I got to reach those expectations. I think being very clear on... Uh, what responsibilities and roles are. I think that is absolutely huge because again, if it's left to the athletes on the team, you might all of a sudden be again, working against each other (laughs) instead of supporting each other and letting everybody know like they had strengths, they had values, even if they're a role player. I'll never forget. Um, our coach after us winning a national championship, um, announcing to everyone at the dinner that at the end of the tournament that he was giving the golden a award. So MVP award, um, to our bullpen catcher, she didn't get to start. I don't even know if she played in any games, but he said, I'm going to tell you right now, we just won a national championship because this catcher came every single day to practice with a smile nice. on her face and did her job and she didn't complain. And that is what it takes to win championships. Not just the nine on the field, but the role players, those that buy in, those that are not causing distractions and, and dissension in the dugout. But instead it's like, no, I'm taking this role on this team means so much, and I'm going to buy into what coach is putting before us. And so I think it takes a strong coach to set that standard and then basically hold people accountable for it. But then, but, but within that, when you feel valued, even though, again, it's not a starting role, I really think it's easier to fall under that authority.
1: And he, Walked it out, and he lived it out. he gave the m v p award to a bullpen catcher that that gave me chills when you said that
0: yeah it was it was something it's funny. I laugh because i i'm like I don't even remember who got that award the other year, <laughs> but I remember that year because it was so impactful for me yeah
1: uh love that leah, you have a an acronym that you teach g o l d This is sort of this standard and these principles for success that can be applied to life in in sport or business or otherwise. Can you walk us through these these four steps in the the Gold acronym?
0: Yeah. So the acronym for GOLD G stands for goal setting and goal oriented because I I'll never forget making these teams, the Olympic team, my college team. And the goal was to win the national championship, to win the gold medal. Like it was set, it was clear. And then we had small goals along the way, right? So goal setting, know where you want to end up. Even for me on a daily basis, what are my priorities? What is my end goal for this thing that I'm doing or for my family or for whatever we're working at? Like being clear on what is the end goal.
1: For the listener, I want you to hear what Leah just said like setting the goal and then having the small goals along the way. I mean, this is something that we obviously know that athletes do, but like, are you doing this in your life? Are do you like, do you have goals in your life and, you know, health goals and work goals, financial goals, personal relationship goals? Like you still have to do this. And then you still have to create this, the quote, small goals along the way. When Leah was an athlete, when I was an athlete, th- this is just part of life. It just kind of happens when you're an athlete. You don't even have to do anything. Those goals just show up. The goal is to win the conference championship, win the national championship, win the Olympic gold medal. It's all just there by default in sports. And that's why you can get the most out of yourself in that environment. You have to do this for yourself today. Don't just listen to what Leah said and go, oh yeah, goal setting, come on, move on. I've heard that before. No, like actually do it.
0: Yeah. Let me just make a point on that as well. I had some people telling me, you know, you should write a book. You should write a book. They would hear me speak. Do you have a book? And so finally, like I I ended up, uh, my first book was a devotional. I do a lot of faith-based speaking. And so it was, it was my softball stories tied in with some faith stuff, because again, that's what I've been doing. It was doing a lot of talking for that stuff.
1: Yeah. You do a lot of work with FCA or Athletes in Action, right?
0: Yeah. Both of them, both of them. And so I just remember like setting that goal of okay, I'm really going to do this. And there was a difference between talking about it and just throwing it out there and really sitting down one day and saying, that's my goal and I am going to do this. And guess what? I got to work. I took the steps. You you have to really know this really is my goal and then you can start working towards it.
1: Yeah, you have to really have it clear in your mind, know exactly what it is, set the goal, commit to it and you know it takes the hard work but that's almost the hardest of the work because the rest of it just sort of tends to follow you tend to do the work when you have clarity and you make that commitment
0: yeah so okay so o stands for overcoming obstacles and that is the perseverance piece that is resilience that is not giving up because any goal anything That we are trying to achieve that is big and scary and hard is going to bring challenges. But when you know that, as athletes in my sport, I played a sport that is massive with failure. You deal with failure a lot, right? Baseball, softball, if you get hits three or four out of 10 times, I mean, you are great. That means six. Times, seven times you're failing. And so how you deal with that failure is everything. And so I learned that through sports. Now, in other parts of my life, when things get hard and I want to give up, (laughs) I talk to myself in this piece because I dealt with that then. And I really, I really do talk to myself because I want to be resilient. It was it was resilience moving to outfield that got me to that Olympic team in a very short amount of time. Because not only was it hard and I was determined to grow. And to master this, I didn't want to just, I, I didn't want to take a long time. I committed and I put in the work and I was very focused. So overcoming obstacles, every one of us is going to face challenges, but what you do with those challenges are going to determine how long it takes if you really can reach those goals.
1: And again, I want to sort of add lib here a little bit for the listener. You're like, oh, okay, overcoming obstacles. I know that one too, Leah. Come on, give me like the the, the magic fairy dust that I'm supposed to sprinkle that that really makes things easy. But for the listener, you're sitting there and, and at some level, I know, I, I know you, you're like, you're on the treadmill right now or you're driving or, or whatever it is that you're doing right now. You have some obstacle that's in front of you or that you're experiencing right now or you experienced, you know, last year or, or some point in your life and it's holding you back and don't let it because this is part of your path. This is part of your journey. This is part of Leah's journey. This is part of my journey. This is part of Ruben Gonzalez's journey. It's part of the experience. And again, we see this in sports and we see somebody like Leah and we go, there's this sort of unconscious assumption that success, like massive success was just preordained for Leah. It wasn't. There were failures. There were setbacks that had she not chosen, like specifically chosen or spoken out loud to herself, like she says she still even does today. Had she not done that, we might not be talking on on the podcast today. She probably would have been pretty good, maybe made an Olympic team or something like that, but she did these things to help her overcome obstacles and achieve world-class success. So it's part of her life and it's part of your life. How are you dealing with it?
0: Well, and some of my teammates, to just finish on that point, literally their stories was somebody told them at some point in their career when they were young, a little girl, that they couldn't be a championship pitcher. And they went on to be the best in the entire world. They used that obstacle, that challenge, those words that would have crushed other people and they would have given up. But they used it and said, this is going to be my motivation. And I'll tell you, that mentality, that I will prove you wrong mentality, wow, that is powerful. That carries people very far.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So L is leadership. Now, again, we... We all, like you said, these are simple, simple truths. These are simple aspects to the story, but we overcomplicate things. Leadership. This is important. Who one is a, is a leader that you look up to that has impacted you, or you are still following what you've been taught from them. I had the best leaders in college on the Olympic team and what I learned in those environments. And I had good leaders when I was younger as well, people that really encouraged me, that saw my strengths, that allowed me to be me and didn't put me into a cookie cutter box. And people that, again, lifted me up, that challenged me, that didn't just make it easy for me, but instead challenged me and pushed me beyond my comfort zones. Those leaders that I had and their encouragement and belief, as I believed, I think adding that belief, you have to bet on yourself, you have to, but there are leaders. And I also think for us, Those that are going to rise up are going to be leaders as well. I think I took it upon myself that as I set a standard, I don't care if I'm a freshman on this team, I, I'm a leader in how I carry myself and how I talk and how I play and how I, you know, I mean, just every day, the effort that I put in. So that leadership piece is, is within you. And then who do you learn from as well?
1: And if you're sitting there as a, as a listener and thinking to yourself, yeah, but Jim, I'm not around I don't have that boss, right? I don't have that leader around me. Like get around that person, find the person, right? Listening to this podcast episode is one way to do it. You're around Leah, you're hearing her voice and hearing her story. Find other people like this to be around, join groups, join organizations, read the books, like do the things that you can do to bring those leaders into your life. And then also be the leader from the role that you're at. Like Leah just talked about when she was a freshman, like she was a leader in her own way. She wasn't the team captain, but she chose to step into a leadership role.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm learning that right now myself as I'm working on growing my brand and my speaking and and you know working on figuring out this new direction that I'm adding to what I've what I've already been doing the last 20 years. I recently hired a coach to be more specific and to like really challenge me. And I'll tell you, it is stretching me. But that's one thing that I know the best leaders. They're always coachable themselves and they're all, and it might just be conversations with other leaders. My, my Olympic coach did that. He was always learning. I watched him. I watched him take and apply what other people had, had shared.
1: One, one quick point in there. I just want to make a a note that we have an Olympic three-time Olympic gold medalist who said she hired a coach. Like she's working with a coach. She's in a new part of her life. She understands the value of coaches and you know, it might be easy to think like, oh, three-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time world champion, three-time NCAA champion. It's just business is just easy for people like that. You can just go out and everybody pays you tons of money and your business is just flows effortlessly. Look, no, no, it doesn't. It actually takes work. And you have somebody here who's excellent at what she does and has hired a coach. So just just recognize the need and the value of having that person outside of you. So
0: yeah, because they can help you see. Strengths, weaknesses, maybe help you look at something from a different perspective. When I played for my Olympic coach, you know, at the end, yeah, I knew my swing, but guess what? He could see something a little different and give me that one little tip and I'd make that adjustment and all of a sudden everything was flowing again. So it it does help to have an outside perspective. So D is stands for dedication and drive. And this is that piece that you just talked about. I think this is the action piece because guess what? You can set goals, you can have a plan, you can be listening to leaders. But if you do not do the daily work that takes, that is what makes people Olympians. That is what you made, made you as a great wrestler, myself as a softball player, every single day showing up the consistency piece. I mean, being reliable, being somebody they can count on. People know you're consistently you're going to see success in other people as well. They're going to recommend you. (laughs) They're going to want you in, you in the game. They're going to want the bat in your hand when everything's on the line because you consistently showed up and you prove yourself and you learn and you grow from it. And that daily dedication, that drive, that motivation, like those two things, dedication and drive, there are a lot of people that just are not dedicated and those people fall by the wayside now, it might be like, okay, well, it, I'm not really self-motivated. I'm, I'm pretty self-motivated. But for those of you that are not, you need to figure out, okay, what do I need then that motivates me? What, what is it other people? Is it you know a coach that's going to force me, right? Lifting weights or, or working out, right? Maybe I just need that coach. Whatever that is, maybe it's a vision board and I need to see it every single day. And that's the motivation that I need. But that dedication and that drive to me is where it all comes together. The work you put in every single day.
1: Yeah. And for the listener, like your ingredients to to help you be dedicated and have drive are going to be different maybe from the, the next person. But Leah mentioned some ideas there, like having a coach, having a vision board, like whatever it might be for you, you've got to play around with those things and experiment. And I always just like to ask the question simply, what has worked? And, and I actually recorded a podcast episode, episode 387, I believe it was doing this off the top of my head, where we talked about that one question, like what has worked? Because there's things that have worked for you in the past in your life. Don't forget those, like look back and go, okay, when I was an athlete, this worked or when I was in this certain job, this was working for me or when I was super fit, you know, this, these were the things that were in place, like recreate that. There's a template for that in your life.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think back to times outside of softball, you're right, where I had a goal, I was motivated. And then I'm like, why is it so much harder now? But then I remind mm-hmm. myself, what were those steps that I did? And what was like the main reason I was doing it? I, I That is true in anything in life is thinking back to those past successes and those past things that worked.
1: For the listener who is bought into your message and loves what they're hearing, and can you recommend an action item something that they can do in the next 24 to 48 hours to really start moving towards their goal and maybe it's one thing or maybe it's maybe it's even two or three things but what's an action item that the listener can take in the next 24 to 48 hours
0: i would say number one write it down what you're trying wanting to do because we have so many thoughts that go through our head right but write it down number one number two i would say tell somebody and like be accountable I don't know if that helps other people, but for me, I'm going to tell you right now, I literally told my son, I said, okay, I want to get on my, my elliptical, but I know sometimes I get sidetracked. I said, tell me tonight, get on it now, because <laughs> I was like, I'll probably feel like not doing it. So accountability. And then three, just take the first step. I will tell you when I struggle, because I talk of stuff and I know in certain areas, I'm really good at it, but there's other things that get hard and some of it is writing for me. And sometimes I think about it so much in my head that until I go and just sit down at the computer and once I start, oh my gosh, I unlock so much. But I will tell you, getting to that seat in front of my computer is the hardest thing. All of a sudden, I like cleaning. I don't even like to clean, but because the harder thing is sitting down and taking that action, I'm cleaning everything. (laughs) So it's just, we're real and this is natural. Our mind wants to protect us. That's really hard. Don't do it. Go do something else, you know? So that's what I would say. Write it down, tell somebody, and then just take one step, whatever that step is, but take one small step.
1: For the listener, do these things. Don't just say, oh, those sound like good ideas. Actually do them. And just one point to make on, on your last point, number three there, just taking action. You talked about writing. For those who have heard of or, or like Stephen Pressfield, I interviewed him back in episode 372 on his most recent book, which is called Put Your Ass Where Your Heart Wants to Be. And it's about just showing up, just show up to practice, show up to the gym, show up at work, sit down at the desk to write, whatever it is, just just take action. It doesn't really almost even matter what action it is, just start moving forward. Leah, for the listeners who want to find you, follow you, buy your book, engage with you, how can they do that? How can they find you?
0: Well, first of all, go to leahamico.com, L-E-A-H-A-M-I-C-O.com. Sign up for my newsletter. Put your email in and sign up for my newsletter. I won't bombard you. I like to do some just really simple steps um, towards success and share some stories that helped me reach success. And also uh, my podcast, The Gold Standard Podcast with Leah Amico, it's on all platforms for podcasts. And then Instagram, Leah20USA is another place that I share some different tips. So I think those are the main things. My website, my podcast, the Gold Standard Podcast with Leah Miko and Leah20USA on Instagram.
1: Excellent. For the listener, we'll have all those links right in the action plan. Just go to junior.com slash action to grab those. Leah, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom on the show.
0: It's awesome. I love that you talk about success through failure because really everybody has potential, but it's those that are able to push past failure that actually reach that success that everyone is capable of.
1: Thank you, Leah. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly.